Today on You Assumed, I am joined by Tom Zuba. We learn what it means by living a philosophy of not happening to me, but happening for me, especially in these times that we're all going through and why everything happens as it's supposed to. We both share very personal experiences and insights as we explain and explore our work, our intentions, our focus, our energy to all being present. I hope you enjoy these You Assume podcasts. Make sure to hit subscribe. It costs nothing to do, and it's as easy as a click as a button. All you need to do is hit subscribe, and it'll send it right to your inbox wherever you might listen to. And while you're at it, why don't you leave a comment? Let me know what you're thinking, enjoying, or what else you'd like to hear. I would love to hear your feedback. Thanks for tuning again to You Assume. Thanks for doing this. And no, thank you for doing this. Tom Zuba is my guest today. And what we are doing is, you assume, this the conversation typically starts when you walk in the door versus what we did here with all my setup because I want to get video of all this today. And thank you for being so patient. You literally waited like a half hour for me to, actually longer, to set this thing up. And it should have been set up like in 10 minutes if I were just doing audio. But... Watching your stuff, listening to you, I just felt like it needed to be video recorded. So I wanted to make a little more time than I probably should have to get this recorded because I think it tastes me special. So thank you for being on here. I want to start off with, you know, just the not ground rules, but I don't edit. I don't go back and edit this. I just want to have the ideas of a conversation. And you and I have talked a little bit on the phone. And it started off with, I get a phone call kind of out of nowhere. You're one of the few people actually sent a message through our, uh, our website. And, you know, I said, I'm basically to call you. And then we talked for a few minutes. Well, actually, we actually talked for like 40, 40 plus minutes. And um, in there... I, I guess I went in with this naive idea that you were just some person that wanted to have these YouTube followers. And you said, I want to get a million followers in a year. And I got, I don't, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I didn't know anything about who you were and what your real story was that you, time. You actually said it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought I get a little, I've been a little jaded as far as having Faith without validating. Is that fair to say or wrong to think? I, I don't use the word faith. I don't know what that means. So what, do, what word do you use? Talk a little bit more. I'm not sure. Faith without validating. What's, tell me more about that. So I guess one of the, the big things I always tell my wife or my friends is like, I trust but validate. And I, I believe that people are ultimately good but I'm constantly going to validate it along the way. You know, people say, you know, you have faith in humanity. I have this faith that people ultimately want to do what's best, but usually for themselves, and not in a bad way, not in a selfish way. I think we all, you know, like I saw my kids, uh, especially expectations. Never have expectations on somebody else. Because what you're doing is you're limiting yourself to experience or get to know what they really want to do or think or say. And sometimes people will do something that you didn't expect and then hurt your feelings. 
you know, I consider you in, in like. Can, can I stop you for a yeah, second? Yeah, absolutely. Because you are saying lots and lots and lots, and I would like to reflect on what you're saying, but maybe we could just stop right there. Absolutely. So I honestly have come to the belief. It's a belief that I've chosen to believe, like every single belief of every single human being. So I've consciously chosen to believe that every single human being on the planet is doing exactly what they need to do to survive. Every human being, our president, our senators, the Pope, everyone. Everyone's doing exactly what they need to do to survive. So, you know I don't believe in coincidences. And the shirt that I chose to wear today, it actually chose me, because I was gonna wear, my shirt says Radiant, that's my brand. But the Holy Spirit said, nope, wear this one. So. I do trust the universe, and you have an incredible visual of our buddy Albert Einstein over on the wall. And when my son Rory, whose 29th birthday is today, when he was about four or five, he turned to his mommy and I, And he said, whichever one of you goes to heaven first and you meet Einstein, tell him to come and visit me in my dreams because I have some questions for him. His mom died about 18 months later. There's not a doubt in my mind that Einstein visited Rory. And one of the things that Einstein said that has informed who I am is the most important question we have to ask and answer is do we live in a kind, friendly, orderly universe or do we live in a chaotic, random, up for grabs universe? So the conscious choice I've made because I want to create peace for myself is that I live in a kind, friendly, orderly universe. So. I trust the universe. More importantly, I trust myself, not my head. My head has taken me to the most painful, shitty, horrible, self-created hell that you can imagine. When I trust my heart, which I call my God-given barometer, which most human beings have been cut off from, through alcohol or through Xanax or sex or Netflix or food. When I trust my God-given barometer, when people show up and my heart goes, you recognize them, this is true, you can lean in, you can lean in. I knew that about you when I started reading about you in the newspaper. I'm like, Who owns this place called Kryptonite? Why would someone invest money in this crappy corner and you walk in and it's like, I think I'm in Egypt or something and the Pharaoh's gonna walk in. And then 
This guy sells kryptonite. No, it's closed. Well, okay, sold it. Sorry. No, I didn't sell it. I closed it. Closed it. it. Yeah. Shuts it down and pops up caring about our city, doing this event and this event, and you're here, you're here, you're here, you're here. You have a last name I cannot pronounce, which is cool, <laughs> because it's like, oh yeah, that's Chris W. I know who you are. A mutual friend of ours, who I did not know, but you know her very, very, very well. In April of this year, social media blew up because a little 11-year-old, was she 11? I thought she was 13. She's 13. Her her number is 11. Yes, you're right. A 13-year-old girl named Ellen, that's the 11, a 13-year-old girl died really, really suddenly and rocked St. Bridget's and rocked many communities. This little girl left the planet on my birthday. That is not a coincidence. A really good friend of mine, Sherry, said, I need one of your books. Sign it. I'm giving it to Ellen's mom and dad. I did. I got a call from Diantha. I need to work with you one-on-one. Two and a half weeks ago, she's sitting in my living room. She brings up Chris W.'s name. I already had a heart feeling about who you were. I said, how do you know him? Tell me more about him. She painted a radiant picture of you. I was aware that you were social media t-shirting. I went to your website. The Holy Spirit said, call this guy, call this guy. So I called you and I know who I am. I'm really clear about who I am. I didn't know who you were. And when, I, when we started the conversation, Maya Angelou said, believe per- people the first time they tell you who they are. I thought you told me. I mean, I, I told you exactly what I wanted. I want a million followers in a year. And you said, that's not going to happen. I'm, I've been around the block enough and I don't want to cause myself any more pain. And I was like, I believe you. I mean, I believe that you don't believe that's going to happen. You're not my person. You held on to me. And that conversation continued. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here today. Yeah, because the main thing was how much you believed it. And that you were basically done talking to me when I didn't believe you. I was like, oh, this, this guy's... The, the thing I've learned is that unwavering... Uh, sorry, I don't know oh, what to call it. Oh, you asked yeah. me... Okay, you asked me the word faith. Yeah. We, that's how we started. So to me, faith... I grew up Catholic, so my right. impression of faith is colored by Catholicism. Faith faith to me, you're Catholic too? I'm recovering Catholic. Yeah. Faith to me requires effort. It requires work. See, I think it's the opposite. I think it's the opposite of requiring work. I think faith is when you, you just let it go and it's like you just trust. Like you don't have to put the effort in. 
because that's what faith is. It's just that it's going to be there. So we may be saying the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's my truth and your truth about the definition of faith. Absolutely. The word that I prefer is knowing. There is a deep, deep knowing in my cells, in my DNA. It's a remembering of what is truth. I'm writing these things yeah. down because so I So the word knowing to me, it's it's more it's a more accurate description of how I picture it. The the idea of words and definitions, what one means to another, I always find very interesting because like you you say you trust your heart, but at the same time you're rubbing your gut. Same yeah. thing. Well, I, we used to call it mother's intuition. Yeah. Same thing. Gut, Holy Spirit, the little voice inside of you, heart. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, there's a reason I, I draw the distinction between the heart, heart, brain, and gut. The heart can allow you to overthink things and think yourself out of your connection to God, the universe, energy. The heart can? The heart can, and so can your brain. But the gut is, it's interesting because, you know, if you look when you do the genuflect of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you touch below your heart. You touch where your gut is. The Chinese call it your chi. The Hawaiians call it your na'ao. Uh, you go throughout history and everything kind of resonates from this area where your gut is. You look at the chakras and your chakras all line up with it. So for every culture every generation this this goes kind of goes back to the gut your gut instinct you know trust your gut go with it uh, the reason i say not the heart and i draw the distinction because the heart here the heart wants the heart wants all the time or you know uh, i love this person and sometimes you have to let these people go because your gut knows that these people are going to pull you down sometimes your your heart pulls you in a direction that you really don't need to go because you're, you're leaning on something that is really holding you back from, you know, I think even being radiant in these circumstances is a good way. And being radiant to me, I find very interesting your, your can, choice. Can I stop you for yeah, a second? Absolutely. So how honest are we going to be? I don't want to be anything but honest. Okay. Radical transparency is my philosophy. Okay. So I believe unlike the Catholic Church and most most Christian denominations. I believe there are many, 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 many truths. And I believe that words have power. There is an energy behind our words, regardless of whether or not we speak them consciously or subconsciously. Our words literally create our experience. I have been criticized publicly by people who think I talk too slow. I talk slowly so I can speak consciously because of the words that I'm choosing to put out into the universe, create my experience. So I believe you, you have studied, you have leaned in an Eastern direction 
that I haven't as far as the heart, the brain, and the gut. I believe you. I absolutely believe that that's true for you. And if I sat next to you and you showed me a video and I read a book and we went to hear the monk, there's a really, really good chance that I would say I'm ready to expand. I'm taking what I thought was true today, I'm expanding that, and now I believe more. This is what I thought was interesting, though. This is the truth part. For reasons we could probably discuss for an entire weekend, most of us choose to speak in the royal we. Okay, explain. I will. Sorry. What, what's, what's more intimate, what's more vulnerable, what's more personal, what's more healing, what's more alive, is when I speak in I statements. The church, our parents, our aunts and uncles, our grandma said, don't be selfish. Don't talk about yourself. Don't focus on you. You're being selfish. That's sinful. What you said is you talked about your heart, your brain, your gut. You said um, your gut instinct. Mm -hmm. Your heart wants what your heart wants. Yes. What's, what's even more powerful is if you stand in your truth, when you stand in your truth, my heart wants what my heart wants. My gut instinct. Tell me about your heart, your brain, your gut. It's different than collectively, if I may, you know, yeah. lecturing us about all of our experiences. Because the truth is, I don't know your experience. But when I'm willing to sit here with an open heart, I'm like, dang, that's fascinating. I want to learn more. And you don't know about my experiences, but you're interested. Oh, absolutely. So this is where I'm coming from. I'm going to tell you about my heart. Because of what I've read and because of who I've listened to and because of what I've decided is my truth on July 24th, which may be different on July 25th, but my heart recognizes truth. My heart does. My body is a mechanism, is a divine, intricate, in, I don't know how to say that word, detailed, finely detailed, beautifully honed instrument that the universe, God, the force created to house, to contain my essence, my soul, my spirit. My body isn't the essence of who Tom is, but my body is an unbelievable tool that I co-created with the universe many, many years ago. So I'm getting yeah. to the point. Yeah. So, so when I'm present, which is really difficult for most people. Absolutely. When I'm allowing every feeling and every emotion to rise to the surface because I know that they're teachers, 
my God-given barometer through my heart says, dangerous person, do not spend one more minute. I'll tell you an example. A four-year-old walking into a family reunion at Christmas, the four-year-old intuitively knows, I'm staying away from Uncle Joe or Aunt Betsy, but dang, I like Cousin Susie. We came in recognizing truth because our system was working. Yeah. And in the same way that we domesticate our dogs and horses, our parents, lovingly, they don't know any better. Our siblings, our aunts and uncles, our teachers, our pre they domesticate us. They say, you are lovable if you do what I tell you to do. There are rules, there are regulations. Proper people behave this way. We want to be loved so we conform. My heart is connected to that divine mechanism. So for me, my heart recognized you over the phone. And that's why I was like fucking stunned when you're like, no, you can't get a million. Huh? Yeah, I can. Well, you said I've been jaded people. I'm, I'm used to in this, I hate to say in this town, but a lot in this town were, and not even in this town, I should say, People want to get without doing the work. That's what they need to do to survive. They must get without doing the work to survive. That's the best they can do. That's what I choose to believe. But I also believe, I believe people need to grind, put effort, passion, focus. Just as you're talking about your heart and the way you open it and the way it's tuned in, that didn't happen. It might have first happened in an instant out of nowhere, but then you need to, it's like, I know I'm connected to something. I need to figure where this out and then work that like a muscle and train yourself to not let the conditioning we got from our parents, the conditioning we get from society saying that you're off, like, no, you know your truth. Like, you know there's something there, and I need to work to not let that get silenced. Most people don't have a clue what their truth is. Uh, the present moment f- scares the shit out of most people, so they will live in the past, or they will be scared to death by an unimagined future. It's interesting because you said, I can't remember if you said, I think you said either people need to grind mm-hmm. or we need to grind in order to create. The individual who wants something needs to go after it with uh, unwavering tenacity. You use the word grind. Yeah, right. right. Um, grind is my, my word for the effort work because your, you're going to have friction. Grind is like work your fucking ass off. If you, I'm a, I guess I'm a big believer in the idea of you need to not just fight the world, but fight for what you believe in because the more you, the stronger you become in opening yourself up to this, this vulnerability and sharing what you believe and what you see, there are some that will get it and latch onto it 
you know, engage, energize, and there's some that will just want to hold you back because you are living something that they don't think is possible and therefore they want to stop you because they want you to be miserable like them. Which we've kind of talked about a little earlier, those, these energy sucks or uh, there's some people that just refuse to live their truth and don't want to tune out and watch Netflix. And That's the very best they can do. So doing the very best people do to survive is not enough for me. Exactly. So what I'm more interested in is hearing about you. You shared with us, you need to fight the world. It's really, really different if you say, I need to fight the world. Some people want to hold me back. I need to grind. I need to grind to create everything I've created. I grind it and grind it and grind it. I believe you. I really, really do. And that's what we've been taught. Right. The but, early bird gets the worm. But it could be frictionless, can it? That's where you're going to get. You, you think it'd be frictionless. Chris, the words that come out of our mouth create our experience. You keep choosing on a subconscious level, but I just saw a light bulb went off. It did. So... Let me tell you about me. Yes, please. I told you about my friendly, loving, orderly universe. I have two dead kids and a dead wife. I live in a friendly, kind, orderly universe. The universe is conspiring for me in every moment. The universe is for me. I'm going to trust the universe. I'm loved that much, says the dad with the two dead kids and the dead wife. I'm not going to grind. I'm not going to grind. No way. I've suffered a fucking enough. Yeah. Nobody wants to hold me back. Nobody's going to hold me back without my permission. I'm not going to judge humanity. Because I don't want to be judged. What I put out there is going to come back to me. I'm not going to say, you six people over there, you're lazy asses. Get up, do what I did, and grind, grind, grind. Lady over there with the three kids, get a fucking job. There's a job at Gray's. Get it. I don't want to be treated that way. Right. And when I put that out in the world, if I'm honest, that's painful. That's painful for me. So... My third book, we came to the planet not to suffer. I came to the planet to be radiant. I came to the planet to be radiant. Before I incarnated with the people that I love, I already designed a radiant life. I designed an optimal life. Every single human being came to this planet to live an optimal life. We have free choice. If everyone said yes, we would each zoom to our optimal life. That's what heaven on earth is. The movie, The Black Panther, that community, they're all living their optimal life and they all said yes. They're that advanced. That's possible here on planet earth. So for me, I trust. I know that everything happens for me. 
I get glimpses of my optimal life. How do I know it's my optimal life? The way it feels for me in my heart. My gut, my intuition, the Holy Spirit says, trust your heart. Yeah, that was us. <laughs> that, that was us telling you to call your nephew Danny about Chris. That was us who said, don't hang up on the dude. That was us who said, you haven't heard from him in seven days? Don't move into fear and lack. Don't believe that you're not going to hear from him again. I was almost there. I got a text from you. I'm like, okay, I will continue to trust my Holy Spirit. The, we are loved so much that the universe will literally bring our optimal life to our front door. How do, how do we manage that? Like energy attracts like energy. Yes. When I believe someone wants to hold me back, I am loved so much, the universe will present person after person after person who will prove my belief correct. They will want to hold me back. So I call that unwavering faith. What do you call that? Knowing. Knowing. Let me ask you. Returning to truth. Let me ask you, your, your son was the first one to pass, correct? Or was your daughter? No, my um, 18-month-old daughter, Daughter's. Aaron, was born in 90, 1990. That was a long time ago. She lived for 18 months. 30 years ago, one week ago today, at 5, 10 p.m., she left the planet. She had finished all the work she came here to do, which to me is amazing that you can finish all your work in 18 months, but she did. What were you doing for vocation and work back then? I was very, very happily and proudly raising money for the American Cancer Society in downtown Chicago. I had a huge job with a staff. I was 28. I was, uh, I think I was 33. I'm not good at math. Right. Um, I got married at 28. I was, I was, I think I was 33. How old was Jesus when he died? Was he 33? I think, I think 33. Yeah, I was the same age. When Jesus was crucified, my daughter died. And my image of her death was like Jesus. I have been fucking crucified. My birthday that year was on April 2nd, which is Good Friday. And I literally said, anyone, anyone that can pound nails into my hands and get me to feel those nails, they get a prize. So I was working for the Cancer Society, loved it, loved it, loved it. That's where I met my wife. We were both working for the American Cancer Society when Aaron died really suddenly on a hot, sticky Wednesday afternoon. Probably remember every detail of that day. Not every, but a lot. It doesn't haunt me. Uh, there's right. something called EMDR. And after Rory died, I worked with a really... Jesus, Jesus on earth, a doctor by the name of Al Botkin, who lives in Lincolnshire, he does EMDR. So I had two 90-minute sessions with him, and that 
removed all the emotional charge to my the scene of Aaron's death, of Trisha's death, and of Rory's death. So that's the order. So when, when in this timeline did you discover I need to help others learn how to grieve and then grow? The teacher can only take the student as far as the teacher's gone. After our daughter died, I did what every human being does, or most human beings do, particularly men. I mean, I did grief the old way. You know, I said, there's no fucking way that Aaron's death is going to define my life. Uh, I'm not going to be weak and cry. Uh, A friend of ours said, get back to work. You got to be busy, 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 busy. So I stuffed my feelings. I pretended I was fine. I went into denial. I was smart enough not to drink. Uh, Addiction runs in my family, and I knew, dang, if I have one drink, I'm going to have 50. I created pain on top of pain on top of pain. I mean, I suffered, self-created suffering after she died. My wife... Got, thought she was having a heart attack on a Tuesday. I called 911. We went to the hospital Friday, which was New Year's Day, the day before you opened this shop. And my daughter Erin was born January 2nd. Not the day, literally, but the date. When Trish died, what my gut, what the Holy Spirit what my intuition was telling me while I was walking around Oak Park Hospital the two days before New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, what my gut, my intuition was saying was, pay really, really close attention. You're going to tell this story to the world on the Oprah Winfrey show. I said, excuse me? The message was repeated. I grabbed my brother, Mike, and I said, I just got to tell you, I'm going to tell the story on the Oprah Winfrey show. That April, four months later, I'm telling that story on the Oprah Winfrey show. That got my attention. While Trish was dying, it was so unbelievable. It was so fucking unbelievable. I was like, you have to be kidding me. We, we literally, we have dinner plans for New Year's Eve. We have a babysitter for New Year's Eve. Our daughter's 10th birthday is January 2nd. She will not. She is not. She cannot die. She died. I knew it wasn't random. So I said, I want to be surrounded by people that are wiser than me. I want to be surrounded. That was the intention. I clearly said, like I said, four months later, I'm sitting with Miss Winfrey and the author Gary Zukoff, two of the most powerful people that I was aware of on the planet. If people don't know Gary, he wrote the book, The Seed of the Soul. Of all Miss Winfrey's guests, she had him on the most. That caught my attention. That that uh, that propelled my expansion. She was. I watched that episode you sent me, and she talked about how she was getting criticized for doing episodes like that, and what you know, what was she really sending? 
And you said on there how it opened you up. It allowed you to connect, be present, and bring you to this moment. You said, let's say you, you, your gut, the Holy Spirit said, pay attention. What was it it was telling you to pay attention to? What was, what was the, the being present in this moment? So that was the fall that Oprah completely changed the direction of her show. She called it Change Your Life TV. And at the end of each segment, she had something called Remembering Your Spirit. Trisha and I lived in Oak Park. Our business was public relations and marketing. At that time, you could still get your clients on the Oprah Winfrey show. So every single morning, this is what I thought. This is the story I told myself. Every single morning at 9 a.m., because it was live in in Chicago, 9 a.m., I watched the Oprah Winfrey show for work. I wanted to know what she was doing. You know, how could we slip our clients in as guests? Little did I know that the universe was giving me all the tools, all the tools. If I said yes, that would alter forever me and the way I looked at Trisha's impending upcoming death. Um, She had Gary Zukoff, like I said, he's the one who made the biggest impact, but she had a woman by the name of Debbie Ford who wrote The Dark Side of the Light Chaser. She had John Gray, uh, Men Are From Mars, when he was really cool. Uh, Barbara D'Angelo, his former wife, who was awesome. She had Carolyn Mace. Carolyn Mace said, we determine the speed at which we heal. That was mind-blowing. That, that's freedom. That's empowering. Carolyn Mace was at one time the fiancé of Gary Zukov. That blew my frickin' mind. What I was open to was the possibility that there are soul agreements, the the power of intention, and this is mind-blowing, but I was open to the truth that we are loved so much that it's impossible to die at the wrong time or in the wrong way. That every human being dies, they leave their physical body, they go back home, they return to light at the right time and in the right way. And I had the nerve to say that at um, Benet's temple six or seven years ago here in Rockford. I knew what the first question would be. I'm in a synagogue? At the time, Rory had died, so I have two dead kids and a dead wife, and I say, every human being dies at the right time, in the right way. You know what the first question was? What's that? What about the Holocaust? What about 911? What about the war in Afghanistan? What about the school shootings? We taped the Oprah show the day before the Columbine shootings. She did a live, she did a live with the Columbine community the day we taped the show that I was on. So Gary's book, The Seed of the Soul, 
and all the guests that Oprah had on that false, just for me, she did that all just for me, gave me tools, wisdom, knowledge, transformed the trajectory of my life. I'm forever grateful. I, I, uh, I became, quote, friends with Gary. Every time he was in, I would get a phone call. Hey, we're going to tape Oprah again. Can you be in the green room with us? Can you have lunch with us and Miss Winfrey? You know, we just want to see your face in the audience. This is in 1990. She was number one in the world. Yeah, I'll be there. She knows me by name. I, they sent flowers when they heard that Rory had died. I was at an um, event of Gary's that summer that they personally invited me to. I'm an ordinary schmuck from Rockford, Illinois. I'm a hick. They invited me to be their VIP guest at a bookstore. I was living in Oak Park in Chicago, a groovy, trendy bookstore. I was ushered to a front row seat. I love to talk, in case you can't figure that out. I'm talking, talking, talking. So grateful to be here, can't believe it. The room gets really, really quiet. I keep talking, there's an empty chair to my left. I look down, I see white shoes, I see brown legs, I see a white skirt, I see a white top, I see a brown lady with beautiful black hair. And the words that come out of her mouth are, Tom Zuba, how are you? And Miss Winfrey sat right next to me during that whole thing. Is the universe working for me? Yes, it is. I believe it's working for you because you're not fighting it. You're opening, you're open to it, you're allowing it, you're allowing it to be radiant, as you would say. And I believe that you believe that. We've been, we've been taught, or we choose to believe that there's something negative about the fight. But, yeah, yeah I don't want to cut you off, but at the same time I do, because you're right. When I say you're open to it, and I, just as I admitted earlier, I was choosing to fight even subconsciously, but I know consciously I'm, I'm fighting, I'm grinding. Let me just yeah. drop this in. In my experience with the thousands of people that, I work, that I've worked with, what we've collectively created that has become the human experience, we won't get off the dime. We won't change. We won't lean in until the pain we're experiencing, which is actually self-created, is excruciating. Most human beings will not change. They won't take the class. They won't listen to the speaker. They won't read the book until out of sheer desperation, they say, there's gotta be some relief out there. So I believe differently on that. If you've I heard this quote from Benjamin Franklin that forever changed my life. What I know today to be true, I reserve the right to be wrong about tomorrow. I agree with that completely. Give yourself permission to not be stuck in your ways, think you know everything, 
be curious, be open to learning. And if you can go with a mindset, then you don't need to put yourself in the pain all the time if you give yourself permission early enough to say, huh, I didn't know that. I agree with you completely. So th- there's, a, there's an on switch mm-hmm. to engaging with life in a peaceful, productive, expansive way. Everybody has that switch. Why do some people turn the switch on and the vast majority of people, they, they put a lampshade over the switch because they're afraid of it? Yeah. What's that about? You know, it's um, a very similar thing when we talk about life changing dramatically by a car accident or a death. But why, we talked earlier about this off camera in the past about the law of polar opposites, I believe in. You can't have one without the other. So therefore, why can't it be true that life can become amazing and great in a matter of an instant just by choosing it? Not by some incident that was this big traumatic car accident, but the light bulb lampshade came off. Why can't it all of a sudden become instantly changed forever for the better? Why can't I get a million viewers in a year? It can, Chris. I absolutely know. I'm here talking to you. That's a perfect example of it. Yes, 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 yes. And those of us that know that, we got to find someone that has a podcast who can help us tell our story. We have to become the teachers. Yes. So my selfish ask for this, why I want to do the podcast, because I firmly believe that you will have a million followers. And I wanted to be part of that story that said it wouldn't be possible and then have it documented saying like, here it is, like he did it. I said he couldn't, but then we kept talking. And then all of a sudden I, I believed. I believed that he believed and that was enough to make it real. So therefore I wanna be associated with those who have intention and know, even though I didn't know, I know now and I believe now why is that selfish? There's got to be a give to get. I think there's always got to be a, you know, the radical transparency idea goes for hey, everything. Chris, hey, Chris. Yeah. You are loved so much by the universe and by me, you don't have to give anything. If you lean in, when you lean in and you open your heart, we don't have to give anything. We already, my hunch is you've already suffered enough. You've suffered enough in your life. I have. But I don't feel giving is suffering. I feel giving is energizing too. You know, you go back to the Paul McCartney idea, or, you know, the Beatles, the love you get is equal to the love you make. Well, that's giving to get. Yeah. You want to give love, you get love. You want to get love, you give more love. You get what you put out there. You go back to the negative. You want, you put out negativity, you get negativity. Yeah. Yeah. But you give love, you get love. And that to me is not... Suffering. The, the vast majority of human beings, through no fault of their own, have never been loved. They don't really, really know what love is. They pretend they were, and they tell them a story that they were. So if I have never really, really been loved... I don't know how I'm able to really love someone else. I believe that when 
I, and I'm an ordinary schmuck, like I said, nothing special about me. When I return to who I was at 18 months or 24 months, when I was light and I knew I was light, and I go outside and I go, there's a bunny rabbit out there. That's cool. Look at that creek. I live on a creek. I wonder if there's any fish. There's seven fish. Oh my God, look at that sun. It's so bright. I'm going to take a picture of it. It looks like Jesus. And there's a green thing that people call orbs. I'm vibrating in gratitude and in abundance at a really, really basic level. I'm allowing myself to be loved by the universe. I need to ask this. Why do you keep downplaying yourself? I'm a hick. I'm a schmuck. Why do you keep downplaying yourself as you're explaining? I'm an extraordinary human being who has lived through extraordinary things. And I am more powerful than uh, most people have ever, ever, ever met. And I scare a lot of people away. I'm aware of that. I vibrate at a really, really high frequency. Your soul recognized that. My soul recognized you. Where I am right now is I am attracting thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are saying, I want what you have. I want what you have. And as a result of that knowing, we're going to get a million viewers. Yeah. And that's what part of the thing was. Oh, me let me you. say for yeah. one second. What, what I'm teaching, what I'm saying, the life that I've created for myself, that's available to every human being. That's why I'm saying I'm an ordinary person. What, what, the way that I live, that's available to all of us. That's our God-given right. The, sorry, I was responding back to my wife. Um, the question, or the, one of the big things why I wanted to reach out to you and talk to you is your, your philosophy, your program, your, your counseling has been mainly grief. But I've, I called you and this timing was by no coincidence. I know that now. I had a really rough stint two weeks to a week ago of just pure aggression, frustration, and uncontrollable there for a while, temper, where I was saying horrible things to even my kids, horrible things to my wife. I was shitty to those who I loved the most around me. Lashing out. And what was it you said to me when I, when we, when I called you and told you this? Yeah. You said it I was yeah, it was something with the, the universe and the timing, and it's not uh, it's not an accident. You call me right now. It's it's something happening. Yeah. What was it was happening? Yeah. Okay. So this is a new thought. We are at a time in history when it's all breaking apart, and and light is shining through the cracks. That goes back to your, you know, the gold in the ceramics. So the virus, we actually collectively created the virus. The virus is happening for us. It's not happening to us. The isolation, the fear, 
the confusion that we are collectively inhaling, that's happening for us. It's a gift. The gift that the universe gave you and has given many, many people on July 24th because they're so fed up and exhausted. They don't know what is truth. Who do we believe? Your aggression, your frustration, your uncontrolled temper, you're being shitty to people you love, you're lashing out. The old way of looking at it would be that's bad, that's negative, that's judgment. The universe doesn't judge, the universe loves. The universe invited you to feel all of that to wake you up, and you did. You, you stayed in the present moment, you didn't drink a bottle of vodka every night, but if you would have, I would have been perfectly cool with that because that's what you would have needed to do to survive. If you would have taken five Xanax throughout the day, at, if you would have eaten and eaten and eaten to stuff and numb, but you, you sat with it and you're like, what is this about? What is this about? You allowed yourself to feel the pain. That's the new way of doing grief. And in feeling the pain, you came to the conclusion, oh, I don't want to feel pain anymore. Maybe there's a different road. Maybe there's a different way to do it. But how? How do I do it? You know, I know there's a way. And I know it's not just grief. I know everybody grieves, but I know there's more. I know there's, so there's grief. What's the opposite? I know no, there's love. Wait, 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 wait. This is, this is how on. I define grief. Okay. And it's a new definition. It's brand new. It's not how I defined it in my first book. It's not how I defined it in my second book. Okay. What is it? Grief is the internal, automatic, learned response to the end of a dream. You said this in your, your, one of your talks on YouTube about two months ago. It was a different definition. Different definition, okay. It didn't have the word learned. I didn't have the guts to speak my whole truth because I was afraid people would throw stuff at me and be mad at me. So it's the automatic internal learned response to the end of a dream. And, and in the world of the pandemic, our dreams are ending, my dreams are ending over and over and over and over again at a rapid pace. We don't see an end in sight. Oh shit, maybe we're not going to be together for Thanksgiving. What about Christmas? We always get together for Christmas. What if grandpa dies because of the virus? That's an invitation. That's an opportunity. That's what we were talking about before. The pain is so great. I'm finally ready to get off the dime and make another choice. What's the other choice? It's a revolutionary thought here, revolutionary thought. It's not mine, it's not mine. Uh, there's a woman by the name of Byron Katie. I love her work. This is primarily influenced by her work. Every single painful thought, painful feeling, painful emotion that we allow ourselves to feel and sit with they are all rooted in a belief that we hold either consciously or subconsciously. And when we have the guts or when the pain is so excruciating and we allow that belief to rise to the surface and we sit on the bench next to it and really take a look at it, 
if we're really honest, we'll say, that's not true. That's not really true. Marianne Williamson says a miracle is a shift in perception. I'm feeling pain. I've identified the root of the pain, the seed of that pain. It's a belief that I've clung to and defended. I'm going to shift it. I'm going to shift it in the direction of peace. That's a self-created miracle. It gives me freedom. It brings me closer to connecting with my optimal life. It's, there, there ain't no secret. Sorry, secret people. But that's the truth. That's, that's the key to creating a radiant life, to living our optimal life. To, 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 to have the courage to examine all of our beliefs and release them. So we say release them. Release what you believe to be true before. And I think it has to do with being present. This idea of like, we, when we play out the idea of expectations, you know, I expected this to happen Thanksgiving. I expected this to happen. We had plans. I expected this versus what is really happening right now? What do I want to happen right now? Because as I realized with my aggression, my choice, I'm aware of it now. It snuck up on me. I, I felt it boiling. I knew it was coming. And I was telling myself, I, I don't know how to handle it. I even you know, texted my wife earlier that day saying, my world's falling apart, I feel like, and I don't know what to do. And she's like, it's your, it's your choices basically, and no sympathy to me, which then made me angrier and angrier, and I just festered. It is my choices. I mean, it really is. It has been my choices. But my choice is I don't want to be angry. I don't want to blow up. I don't want to. Because of the way you feel when you are. It does no good. Sure it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. It does, but there's other ways of getting that good I want. Absolutely. There's peaceful ways. I don't want to grind. I don't want you to grind anymore. You know, I, I don't think, so maybe this is, maybe this is the awakening of not grinding. Maybe this. Hey, whoa, 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 oh, whoa. Would you like it to be the awakening of not grinding? Absolutely. Then, if I may, this is the awakening of my not grinding. Put that out in the world. See how that feels. Put that, vibrate at that energy level. And that's what you're going to consciously create. This July 24th, what time is it? It's uh, 9-11. July 24th. 9-11. <laughs> no, you're talking about no coincidences. July, and, and I didn't notice it because I wasn't present, but you were. July 24th. At 9.11 a.m., Chris W. declares to the universe, I am not going to grind anymore. So we talk about what Hold I don't want. Hold on one want. second. Yeah. What, yes, go ahead. Yeah. I interrupted you. Go no, ahead. You're, we're in the same thing. What, I, what I don't want. I don't want to talk about what I don't want. What do I want? I want a lady, or I do want a radiant life. I want a life of substance. I want a life of giving and getting. I want a life of enjoyment. I want a life of sharing and connecting. I trust 
that the universe will deliver my optimal life. The un oh, let's correct. The universe is delivering my optimal life. Oh, I am living my optimal life. That's the truth. I am living my optimal life. I am so grateful. Meeting Tom is the beginning of my optimal life. I'm living my optimal life. How does that feel? Oh my God, it feels incredible. No longer am I aggressive. I'm not frustrated anymore. I, my, I love my temper. I'm not shitty. I'm not lashing out. I'm living my optimal life. I am cruising into my optimal life. Everything that's happening to me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm connecting with my optimal life. Create that. Create that for a week. So this, this transitions us I now. I appreciate you letting me do that. No, I love it. And I transition this now into the million followers. When I asked you, when we talked originally, we got to have a niche. What, who do you want to serve? Who do you want your market to be? And at that time, I wasn't sure if it was just focused on grief and people are lost. But then I realized, and I was realizing in part of this conversation too, bringing to this point, I'm gonna make an assumption here, I want you to correct me, but your people are, the audience, the one million subscribers, followers you want are those who you wanna help live an op optimal life. It's not just grieving, but just living the life of the purpose, a purpose chosen life. What's your purpose you wanna serve? Let's go a little deeper. Okay. The one million people out there that are ready, willing, waiting. They're so ready. They're ready, they, yeah. They've been paying attention to the virus, and they're like, I get you, virus. They are ready to live their optimal life. My audience is not just people who are learning to live with the death of someone they love. Everyone experiences grief. We, we automatically associate that with death. I lost my job. My house is in foreclosure. I don't know if my business is gonna succeed due to the virus. My, my one high schooler didn't get to go to prom. My little five-year-old's not going to go to kindergarten. That's all real grief that needs to be, doesn't need to be. But when, when, when I see it, when I hear it, when I honor it, when I create a safe, sacred space where every human being gets to feel every feeling and emotion without judgment, they're not right or wrong. They're painful or peaceful. Every human being, including that schmuck who won't get off his ass and take the job at Grace. He's never felt loved. He's never felt lovable. I can create that for him. The person at, um, is it that, that plaza where Marshalls is and Massage Forest, Envy? yeah. What's Forest it called? Forest Plaza. Okay, that guy who stands there with the sign asking for money. The other day I gave him $20. I said, I need to know your name. I, he said, God bless you. And I said, God already has blessed me. God bless you. Please take care of you. He was there four days later. He gets to feel loved and lovable. I don't know his story. I'm not going to judge him. 
in order to heal, we have to heal in a safe, sacred space. My, the intention that I set in 2006, 2006, was to transform the way we do grief worldwide. When we, we are able to do that, we will transform the way we do life. We did not come here to suffer. We came here to be radiant. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. So those million people, the reason you and I are standing here, sitting here talking, those million people are getting impatient. They're like, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. They are the ones that are calling us forth. They're calling us forth. I say, yes. Yeah. I got the tools. I'm ready. I'll help you a million people. When the student's ready to learn, the teacher appears. And... Yes, yes. And the student is so eager to learn, the student manifests the teacher, consciously or subconsciously. The universe doesn't judge. If you and I wanted to learn how to rob the bank, the universe would manifest the bank robber teacher. That's how it works. The um, sacred space. Where do you feel the sacred space is out there for those who you know or those who you don't, never, never met before, where is the sacred space? Is it internalized? Is it turning off the Netflix? Is it turning off the TV and just being silent? And Most people, because they don't feel loved and lovable, not at their core, I don't believe that most people are actually able to create a safe space for themselves until they connect with something that really is love. And it could be a dog. You know, it could be watching the rabbits in the morning, you know, planting a garden. Ultimately, this, yes, ultimately, I have, I have learned I have remembered how to be the safe, sacred space. I am the safe, sacred space. And I'm really, really masterful at creating the safe, sacred space one-on-one in small groups, in large groups. That's part of the work I came to the planet to do. You know, I coach people one-on-one. I have online programs. This surprises me. The Holy Spirit said, you should probably do a retreat in October. Use the new embassy suites as your lodging place and have the people in your home, but limit it to 12 people because of the virus. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then this weekend, the universe goes, you know, I think you could probably do 20 people. I'm doing 20 people because I trust Part of what I teach is getting the concept of a safe, sacred space out there. It's rooted in the work of Carl Rogers. It's rooted in the work of Carl Rogers, who's an American psychologist. There's Freud, there's Jung, and there's Rogers. And in the No Coincidences department, I studied with his daughter, Natalie. So I studied with Carl Rogers' daughter. His work informs a lot of my work. So you're doing this one in October, then I heard you talk about doing one next year in Africa. Uh, your, your goal is to do one in Africa, correct? Yeah, in West. How long have you been South doing? Africa, sorry, sorry. How long have you been doing these retreats? 
So my first retreat was in June of 2018. Okay. Uh, my friend Gretchen's sisters. Do you know the Schwabachs? Gretchen and Scott? Not off the top of my head. Their daughter Sophie died. Uh, you might remember this. There were black t-shirts with the Superman, a pink Superman yes. S. Yes, yes. That's Super Sophie. Okay. She's my neighbor. Okay. She's sitting at the table with us right now. We just can't see her, but I can feel her. So, just got apparently, apparently you can too. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, yeah, she's <laughs> that powerful. Yeah, she's that powerful. So her mom, Gretchen, uh, whose sister has been dying of stage four breast cancer for the last six years, they have a huge, beautiful compound on Lake Delavan. They let me, they begged me to use their compound for free. So I had 12 people from all over the country. It was called Becoming Radiant. Then I did one that um, November in North Carolina, my teacher at Easter Seals, um, excuse me, my boss at Easter Seals, her name was Joni. She begged me to come to Lake Norman in North Carolina and do the retreat on her exquisite lakefront home. And then I stopped. So I stopped for about 18 months. Much to my surprise, the Holy Spirit said to me at the end of March this year, I, I, I stopped a lot of my work. I mean, I went into the deepest, deepest dark night of the soul. But the virus came, Chicago canceled the St. Patrick's Day parade, which I couldn't believe. I thought, right. you're idiots. What is the big deal here? End of March, the Holy Spirit said, you should do a daily Facebook Live. You should do a daily Facebook Live to help the people because everyone's experiencing grief now. I said, okay, thinking it would last two weeks. I did a daily Facebook Live. April, May, June, more than 90 offerings. That transformed a lot of people out there. I was really, really aware of it. But the person that it transformed the most was me. It goes, the universe is saying, remind, my, my, what the universe is saying is you're absolutely right. What I gave, what I put out there came back to me. Yes, what I gave, I gave and I was given to. To me, it's a, it's a continual circle. One, I don't think one begins before the other. Yeah. You asked me on one of the phone calls about Abraham Hicks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Esther Hicks. And, you know, I had a problem with this, the name of the voice they gave it. But the story I didn't have a problem with. I was still open to the idea. And that's, that's where I, I got the idea that they call it a spiral you know, you're spiraling downwards or you can spiral upwards. Then what we put out there is what we get back. It's the law of physics. Yeah. Like attracts like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that book we were talking about, it's called The Dancing Wooly Masters. Zukov's book about dancing. Physics. The Dancing Wooly Masters. It won the American Book Award. The Dancing Wooly Masters. It was Gary Zukov's first book. I'm going to read it. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Put out there what you want to get back. And, and we, do, we, do that, we do that with every breath we take. Most people do it on a subconscious level. 
I just wanted to share this, this quick story because it has to do with that. I made that reference to recovering Catholic in the moment it happened because my parents are very, very diehard Catholics. And my mom's every day is go back to God, you know, I, you know, let God back in your life. Is she was, in Rockford? Yeah, she's in Rockford. Does she go to St. Stanislaus? She goes to um, Holy Family. She does? Yeah. Where does, does she live by Holy Family? Yeah, right off, same house I grew up in, uh, off Guilford and Malford over there. So the, um, in that Sukumar I was telling you about out in California, that guru. Yeah. He's the one that said, just stop using Think of like judo or nijitsu. Stop f- fighting that energy because you're not doing any good. Say when mom, my mom says that to me, say, thank you, mom. I am praying. Yes, absolutely. Let invite it in. Give her that love that she needs and stop trying to combat it because she's trying to love you. She's doing exactly what she needs to do to survive. She, like... Like many people, she believes if you don't come back to Jesus, she's not going to see you in heaven. Right. You're going to hell. I always tell her, I never kicked him out. She can't hear that. Yeah, and you don't have to convince her. I agree. I mean, the, 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 what, what divine love does is we honor her exactly where she is. I believe you, Mom. Yes, 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 yes. So I go to this space... And it was this most, one of those most sacred, amazing moments. It was up there at Gibraltar Rock in Wisconsin by Devil's Lake. Our friends have a ca- had a cabin up there called the Dome. And you, I, it was down there with a large group of great friends. And I was told that the sunset up there is just amazing. You have to go see it for yourself. But no one wanted to go. And I said, well, I, I got to go see this. And I just felt this urge I need to go. And I, I got up there as fast as possible. And I, I called it God's recliner. I sat on this cliff that was a good about four stories over the rest of the, what is the Kettle Moraine Trail, the Great Glacier Trail. And I sat on these spot of these rocks where I had armrest, armrest, my perfect leg, my legs were the perfect height just to rest comfortably and felt like I was in a recliner. And I watched the sunset unfold, which I never realized how long the sun really takes to set. It was a good solid hour and a half of until that light was gone. And I watched the sun paint. It was perfect picture, symmetry and clouds and the lights in the house started to turn on. And all of a sudden I heard this voice saying, Chris, I've always been here. Just look around. You can see me anywhere. I never put one rock on top of another and said, go underneath it to worship me. Find me everywhere. Truth. Yeah. Find me everywhere, including in the schmuck who won't get off his ass and get the job at Grace. I am there too. I am him too. This is something that, and I won't, I promise I won't do this again. But you said when you were sitting in God's recliner, you said then the light was gone. Well, the sunlight was gone, not the light of God and not that light. I mean, like the light, physical light of the sunset. There was still plenty of light to see my way down in the moonlight. Just, I mean, the sunlight, just yeah. watching that sunset. But then there was, a, there was a new light. I mean, 
the, the ability to walk back in the woods in dark and no flashlight, because I didn't think ahead, but I had a, plenty of light. I literally skipped the whole way down pretty much. It's not a mountain, but it's, you know, it's a few thousand feet elevation. I skipped and I shuffled and I danced the whole way down, like just with this new energy. We went on to that pilgrimage to Poland I was telling you about a little bit earlier. It was a pilgrimage, a Catholic pilgrimage. We followed the footsteps of St. Paul John II. Um, and I told that story to Father Dan and I shared it with everybody. Father that, Dan who? Uh, I forget his last name. Is he from Rockford? The Rockford he Diocese? was here. Yeah, he was in Rockford Diocese. He's in the Southern Suburbs. He's he got a huge family. family. Yeah. The tall guy with yeah. dark hair? Dr. And Dan Hermes. Yeah, Hermes. Yes, thank he you. He was one of the guys at the Newman Center when I was a cool, groovy, guitar-playing yeah. hippie. Yeah. So, and I, I loved him. I enjoyed him. Um, we did a mass like every single day on this pilgrimage, and I just didn't always participate or I kind of sat back and just took it in. And when I told him that story, he's like, I can't argue with that. I, I think I think you're right. So, oh, a little bit ago, we were talking about an optimal life and how we actually live that, how we can actually create it. So, the universe loves you so much. God, if you use the word God, and many people don't, and I'm so cool with that, the God that I believe in does not care what we call him, her, it, they. Rory loved Star Wars. He probably would have called God the force. Right. God loves you so much that while you were lining in God's recliner, watching the light disappear, realizing that through eternity, light always follows darkness. Literally and figuratively, the sun did not go away. The sun was visible to other people. Mm -hmm. We fear the darkness. The darkness has its purpose. Not meant to be our forever place, but the darkness has its purpose. So what God did is... He allowed you to experience, but more importantly, to feel your optimal life. How you felt during that hour and a half plus, that's how you're going to feel when you live your optimal life. You brought up Abraham. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to spend 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night, with intention, lounging in your favorite chair, daydreaming, going back to how you felt in God's recliner. You described it beautifully, picturing your hands on those rocks. How did you feel in your heart as you watched the sun go down? I, could, I know exactly. It was overwhelming. It was amazing. So what you're doing is you're raising your vibrational level. It's a match to your optimal life. The, the more time you consciously spent day to day to day vibrating at a match of your optimal life, you're a magnet. You draw it in fast.
fast, 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 fast. You you will determine the speed at which you live your optimal life. Let's do it quickly. My aha moment of this, having this conversation is, even as I realized the words I was saying, like, you know, I am wherever you are. I'm everywhere. You don't have to go, like, I always think I need to go back there. I don't need to go back there. I need to go back to the mindset of being present. Being present, just being still and... I mean, just you said, um, super, um, I'm sorry, her name is past, uh, the super girl. Oh, Sophie. Sophie. She's here right now. Totally. And anyway, you know, I felt it right then because I was. Yes, you did. Present. So that sacred space, if you can consciously pause, when, breathe. Yeah. 10 minutes, do an intention. When you find yourself being overwhelmed, pause, breathe, refocus on attention to the, 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 tune um, in. The key is to consciously feel, feel, allow yourself to feel. Most people are afraid to feel their feelings. Our, our feelings determine and either lower or increase our vibrational level. We want to we we vibrate as high as we possibly can. Those words are limiting, but I think it paints a picture. This is something else I want to add. The point of power is the present moment. There's only one place that life exists. It's in the present moment. There's only one place that we can access God in the present moment. The place The time when we're creating the next moment, the next hour, the next week is in the present moment. I'm writing this down. So, like I said, when we can get into this later, most people are so, so, so afraid to allow themselves to be in the present moment because being in the present moment is the door to being fully human. And that concept scares most people literally to death. Heart attack, cancer, Alzheimer's scares people to death. The concept of being fully human. Fully human or fully connected to our spiritual spiritual beings. I believe we're spiritual beings having a physical experience. So we're being fully human or being fully our spiritual self or connected to everything. Our soul, our essence, our spirit, that spirit that you talked about, came to the planet and inhabited physical bodies for a reason, on purpose. When, our, when we're present and we allow our physical bodies to feel emotions and feelings, pain, joy, loneliness, excitement, anxiety, Fully human beings feel the full range of emotions. We don't censor. We don't only feel the good feelings, the appropriate feelings. There's no judgment. They're all teachers. We allow all of them to rise to the surface. That's how we, you know, to use an over, that's how we self-actualize. That's how we become radiant. That's how we become whole. When my wife died, One of the gifts of her death was I got to be my little three-year-old and my seven-year-old's mommy and daddy. 
I got to be their mommy and daddy. That is a um, blending of what we foolishly refer to as feminine and masculine characteristics, qualities, and traits. A whole human being is a balance of that which we refer to as masculine and feminine. Does that make sense? It does. Um, you know, I know you got to do a, a phone call here. It's 9.36. Yes. And we're respectful of that. I do want to wrap this up for now, but I want to, I want to put this out there. If we're going to do more of these, either on my own podcast or your podcast, we're going to do, have more of these conversations. When are we going to do the next one? Well, I don't know if we're going to do mine or yours next. That's we got to figure out. Uh, let's do yours next. And then it feels... This is your conversation. Yeah. Your, your house. I don't think we're done. No. If it's okay with you. That's why I threw it out there. Yeah. I, no, we're not done. Yeah, I mean, to, to have it at your space. Yes. Um, do you want to schedule it? Yes. This, this space, this collaboratory space, we kind of started going earlier. This is a space for those to um, use as their own to co-create, it's a, we use the word lab because you experiment, you try, and the oratory is for storytelling, to share stories because you go throughout history and that's how we learn is we shared stories. We pass it on through uh, words, songs, stories. We talk about you know, saying things out loud and the idea of even singing, it adds energy, adds power, adds meaning you add intention to these things. Um, what? I, this is my, yeah, my space, but you're welcome here. You're welcome here to do your own podcast here. You're welcome to, if you don't have the space, this is a space that allows you to give you the tools to do what you want to do and remove those barriers, remove those obstacles of like, I don't have this, or I don't have that. Like, no, the universe provides. Um, Sometimes you don't ask for it, but sometimes it just answers the question you were subconsciously thinking. I did ask for it, and yeah. you responded, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So that's, that's the story of this. I'm going to wrap this up, and man, am I grateful in this. We'll, we're going to end this now, and then we're going to... Do you want to schedule it so people, the people listening to this will know? Yes. So well, I, when, I, will, when will people be able to hear this? I will put the audio thing out... I'm going to actually work on today. I'm going to get the audio part out. I need to put out the one with Dave Boccianoni. Oh, I have first. a painting of his in Do my you? house. Yeah, it's called um, Avila Beach. He, the story I share with him is he's the one that fired me from American Express. I worked for him. He would buy my first book in bulk to give to his clients. And he hosted two Living with the Holiday programs out at the NIU Center at East State Street, David. When I worked for him, I was 22, I had no idea the impacts he would create in my life, nor, nor did he when he fired me. Yeah, thank God he fired you. That's the Absolutely. universe loving you. That was the best gift I ever had. And that's what I told him. Like, he was the best, one of the best life gifts I ever was given, and he needed to know that. Um, 20 plus years later, he's hearing the story again, and that, to me, was the antithesis of relaunching uh, this You Assume podcast. Cool. It took forever, so I need, I'll put that one out today. Yep. 
And then I'll probably put yours out later today or tomorrow too. I want to get this out because I want to. It, it, if you can put it out today on Rory's birthday, that would be totally cool. I will put it out today. Just, I mean, I don't know your schedule, but he, he was born at 4.17 p.m. It will go out today. Um, first week in August? I'm going to be, I'm, I'm here next week. You're here next week? I'm opening on well, You want to go for next Friday, the 31st? I'm leaving on Friday, sorry. Okay. Uh, how um, about th go ahead. Thursday the thirtieth, or I could do it Thursday go ahead, or, or Tuesday twenty eighth. I could do it Tuesday the twenty eighth at um, two thirty, and then I'm wide open till seven thirty. It'll be louder here. The earlier we can do it here, the quieter it'll be in this space, because there will be people coming in here after noon. You know what? If we do it Thursday the thirtieth, I could do it at four a.m. 4 a.m. I'm joking, but I could do it. I, I have a 10 o'clock on Thursday the 30th. So anytime prior to that. So let's go for 7 a.m. 7 a.m.? Cool. Because then I will leave everything here set up, ready to go, so we're not waiting for me to set everything up. Hey, it's only 9.41. Yes, but I made you late for your 9.30. And thank you. Thank you for today. You're welcome. Thank you, I appreciate it. I look forward to continuing the conversation.